Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Podcast, your weekly video game podcast from handsomefandom.com. I'm Ben, and with me here today is Dave. What's up, Dave? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. I didn't have any cool nickname for you lined up there. Sorry about that. I was like Wavy Davy. I think you're you were uh, you were the first to coin that term. So you, you don't have to come up with a new one every time. Like, I, yeah, I just feel like people are gonna like. You know, if I say it too often, it's gonna be predictable. But then maybe every now and then I could change it up. And it would surprise people. They'd be like, oh, wow, I'm not listening to the same episode for the eighth week in a row. That's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you, you, okay, I'll get, you could call me uh, this week. I'll, I'll take, uh, uh, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Fit Dave here. You know why? Fit There's Dave. Actually, yeah, Fit Dave. Fit, fit Boy Dave. Because uh, I set a little goal for myself earlier this year. Uh, uh-huh. like around the end of March, I don't yeah. know why, uh, that I was going to run 400 kilometers this year, like, yeah. like on the treadmill. And today I hit my goal. So nice, dude. So fit, fit, fit Dave. Yeah. It was, it's kind of funny thinking about it because, um, I, I don't recall doing like any math behind the 400 kilometer number. Um, and I just kind of like did it for a month. And then I looked at like my pace and like what I had remaining and I kind of broke it down by how much I would have to do per week. And I was like, okay, I can do this. This is doable. So felt good. Yeah. I hit that today and it's uh, the number feels good, but I think the better part about it was more like that. I, for the first time over this long period of time was like going to the gym consistently, uh-huh. not cause like, I suddenly felt really good about going to the gym. I, I mean, I do, but it was more like I actually had a number that I had to hit and I had like this little Excel spreadsheet and I would look forward to at the end of the month, totaling up and seeing like how much I'd actually done. So nice. I, I accidentally created a really good habit. So that's Damn, awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, well, let's start the show over again then. Um, hello everyone. Welcome <laughs> to the HP podcast. This is Ben. I'm joined today by Fitboy Dave. What's up, Dave? Hey, I'm feeling good. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> also with us today is the most glorious ginger. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just the all-time name, I suppose. I, I don't. I don't think you want me to call you Fit Boy today. No, no, that would be a, a lie in the face of this show. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. also, Dave, I gotta ask you: Was it harder doing that running challenge or beating Elden Ring? Oh man, um, I, I'd say Elden Ring because it. <laughs> There were several times throughout my Elden Ring playthrough where I was like, not like I wanted to quit, but where I was like, I need to step away from this for a bit. Um, but I kept pushing through because I was like, if I go and play something else, I feel like I'm going to have to relearn everything, like all the muscle memory stuff and timing and all that. Um, so I, I think I feel a little bit more fulfilled having beaten Elden Ring than than what I just shared with you guys. Damn, dude. Nice. Perfect. So that's your lesson, everyone. Uh, you should play video games instead of exercise because it's more fulfilling. There you go. That's the rule. We got a few things to talk about today. Nothing too crazy, uh, but uh, then we got a couple topics we'll dive into, or maybe just one topic. I don't know. The first one I want to talk about comes directly from GameRant.com. Game Rant. I feel like I should say that in a weird accent. I don't know why. So like a little Stray, mouse. <laughs> yeah. More than 4 million people have played Stray on PlayStation. 
Stray has now been played by millions of people over the world, at least according to some recently released data from Sony. This follows on the heels of being nominated for the main prize at the 2022 Game Awards and winning both the Best Indie and the Best Debut Indie categories. As is often the case these days, exact sales figures for Stray are not publicly available. There, there is plenty of evidence that points to the game being commercially successful. Sony, uh, shortly after the game's launch, Sony broke publisher Annapurna Interactive's record for concurrent players on Steam. I said Sony broke it. Stray broke it. I don't know why I said Sony. Uh, now, thanks to this year's PlayStation wrap-up, it's possible to get an even better idea of how many people played it. So, basically, the long and short is that more than 4 million people have played. And it's probably substantially more because I don't think the PlayStation wrap-up is always 100% accurate. And uh, it leaves out some data and everything, too. But... I think we, uh, Brandon and I for sure played Stray. Dave is still waiting to play it with the cat. Still yeah. waiting for those customization options. Yeah. But Dave, I want to ask you more on a, on a, like a video game industry level. Uh, first game from this studio, it was a PlayStation Plus premium or whatever the tier was. Uh, it was included with that. So that definitely contributed to it. But I don't know. Why, why do you think this game has found pretty good success? And for those who don't know, like a million sales for an indie game is insane. It's very rare a game hits that. So four million is crazy. Yeah. Um, I think we got to be careful, though, because this didn't say sales. This said number of people played, correct? Correct. That is accurate. Yeah. So, I mean, with with just over 40 million PS Plus subscribers, um, I assume a lot of those are premium. Um, we got those numbers recently, but I can't remember if it included how many yeah, each one. I just I just kind of looked up what like I, the the September number was like it says forty five million um, PS Plus subscriber, and that doesn't break it down by premium. But we got to assume like at least a tenth of that is premium. Um, but I mean, it's it's a good number. Um, yeah. This is technically an indie game, isn't it? It is. I mean, it was financed, I think, by uh, by Sony. At least they probably paid them for exclusive yeah. exclusivity. But and yeah. I, I don't think we're ever going to know how many people actually paid the uh, $40 for it. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm one of the people that, that didn't play it because uh, I didn't have premium. I didn't feel the need to get premium at the time just for Stray. But it's more of one of those games for me is whereas like as soon as I get premium, that's going to be one of the first games to download, but I'm not going to pull the trigger just for it. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see. Annapurna is a great um, publisher that, you know, we love covering their games and stuff and they seem to kind of be really taking substantial steps forward each year with the quality of the stuff they're putting out there. Um, so hopefully with Sony seeing, you know, what kind of uh, games they're putting out that they'll continue to support them because I mean this is a really really good developer or publisher so yeah, yeah it's uh, it's all good news all good news it's funny it, it, Stray is has a has a publisher which obviously finances them in some way and they have uh, probably I assume they got some kind of bag from Sony for keeping the game on PlayStation exclusively at least for now. And it still was nominated and won Indie Game Awards. Uh, that's pretty humorous to me. Yeah. Brandon, as someone who played Stray, but didn't absolutely adore it like everybody else. I mean, we liked it, but yeah. how do you feel about 4 million copies copies played? No, I think this is perfect. And honestly, cheers to uh, the team there and Annapurna. I've been saying for literally years since we've started to go to events like PAX that Annapurna has an eye for artistic style and i think that's something that has not always been there with their games is the gameplay and the storytelling and everything they have they have the eye for art i will give them that on almost everything they put out their games have a look they do and i and i like it and they're usually breathtaking but a lot of them i have played have not felt as realized as stray and so i'm very pleased to see that they reaped what they showed in this case Mm -hmm. by you know putting putting that extra oomph you know going with the right team and really just coming out with a really good product i mean i didn't love the game it wasn't groundbreaking but i said it when it came out and i'll say it again i would love more games like stray not yeah. exactly like Stray, but that type of small experience um, that's super beautiful, stylized, you know, an interesting story. And it doesn't have to be too long. It doesn't have to overstay its welcome. And it's a nice price tag. So bravo. Yeah. And uh, like Dave said, if you get premium, 
please try this game. It's it you know there's no reason not to, but it's definitely worth the play. Um, so yeah, cool. I concur with all the above. Next story comes from twistedvoxel.com. Says the Horizon multiplayer project is officially confirmed, has an open world story, co-op focused combat, and story. Uh, Guerrilla Games has confirmed that they are working on a Horizon multiplayer project with a dynamic open world, offering a compelling narrative. The confirmation comes through their job openings website with a variety of positions open, including a narrative designer on an online project. Based on the job descriptions, it appears to be a rather ambitious project that will offer a dynamic open world and features multiple playable characters with new machines and unique abilities to use in the game. Some of the key job openings related to this project are a lead world designer, senior machine combat designer, lead combat designer, and narrative designer. A lot of designer in there. (laughs) In the job opening for their lead world designer, they mentioned expanding the world of Horizon with a new multiplayer project. Similarly, their lead combat designer recruitment page confirms this game will be a cooperative experience. And uh, as for the dynamic open world and story, it is referenced in the job description of narrative designer, which states our writers and narrative designers are driven to push the boundaries of dramatic story well, storytelling in open world games. Uh, so we know we got the first Horizon, we got the second Horizon, we've got DLC for both of them, and we knew that you know that anybody who played through uh, Forbidden West knew there was going to be a third Horizon. But now we're hearing stories. I mean, we've got we've got a multiplayer project they're hiring for. We're hearing stories about the TV show. They've got the VR game in the works. Uh, who knows what else is going to be happening? Brandon, is it too much? Is her, is there too much Horizon? <sighs> See, I did not like Forbidden West as much as the first one, but. Right. To that, my answer to that question is no. I don't think there is enough because TV shows are going to come and go. I'm not too worried about that, but the games themselves are what's most important, obviously, yeah. to the medium. That's like the IP. Um, but I think this is fantastic. Um, there was also that uh, rumor that they were going to remaster the first one. So there is genuinely a lot of stuff going on <laughs> over there at Guerrilla. Um, but I think the Horizon game would perfectly lend itself to a multiplayer experience. Imagine taking down more complex monsters that that would require maybe one person to be shooting from either side of a monster simultaneously, maybe multiple people tying down legs, something like that. I just can really see an interesting thread in front of me as far as these games go. And I don't think it's too much, even though I didn't love Forbidden West as much as I loved the first one. I still love the game. I really do. And I think that if Elden Ring hadn't come out as close to it, I think I wouldn't, I don't want to say soured because I definitely wasn't soured by the game, but yeah. kind of curbed my expectations a little bit. But no, I don't, I don't think this is too much horizon. And, you know, with such a cool world and how much story building they did in Forbidden West, like every single side mission was hot in that yeah. game. Like seriously, the story was on point. Right. Um, so I think, I think the lore is, you know, ripe uh so i'm interested to see him flush it out i really am dave you haven't played forbidden west yet and you probably don't need to for this discussion but what do you think do you think too much of a good thing is a bad thing um yes but i'll go back to that because i just to kind of echo what brandon said um i do think this is this is a really cool universe to try this out in um i think there's a lot of different possibilities with sort of the unique um different combat encounters that you have with horizon Um, that could make for some really cool co-op sort of moments and experience and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I said it on Discord earlier this week and I am starting to get a little worried that, um, you know, this, this version of Sony is making some questionable decisions where we're getting remakes nobody asked for. And, um, you know, I I hate to see the Ubisoft treatment of horizon because I think like something that makes first party games, especially from Sony so special is you get a new one, like every three to four years. But if you start getting like way too much, then um, it doesn't feel special anymore. And you know, the reason I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of this is because of what I just said about, some of the what I feel is a little bit more lazy treatment of really, really good IPs from Sony. So, um, 
I just kind of lost my train of thought there, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot cheaper and easier to iterate on something rather than coming up with a new idea. And I think about like the cool stuff we got from the PS3 and the PS4 era. And I'm just kind of reading the room a little bit and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see as much of that going forward because it seems like, you know, Sony just kind of wants to go back to the well and milk stuff. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong because I'm a PS5 owner and the biggest reason I bought a PS5, like most people, is that, you know, they have really cool IP. And if we start to see less of that, then it's going to suck. So, I, again, I'm I'm kind of attacking this from both sides. I really think Horizon would be cool from co-op. But when I couple it with a TV show, a VR game, DLC, um and then again, looking at the remake stuff that Sony's been doing, it's it's it stinks a little bit. But yeah. yeah, I'm I'm probably with you there. I I don't think I'm one of those people that says too much is a bad thing. And I said that to somebody recently, and they were like, "Well, you used to like Assassin's Creed, and you don't anymore." I'm like, "Yeah, that's because Assassin's Creed became a different type of game." I'm not saying it's not good, but plenty of people still like those games. It wasn't because there were too many of them. If the, if the new Assassin's Creed games were similar to the old ones, although I don't want the same exact thing every time, but I would probably be more into them. But they're just a different type of game now. And so I'm not someone who's going to probably get too tired of having the same IP invested. But I agree that, especially if they go back and remake the first one, and then, I mean, I'm all about the TV shows and movies. Uh, if they want to make an, uh, I don't know, this sounds almost like it could be an MMORPG or something. Uh, Dude, I, this, would, this I was getting like almost like, I was imagining Guild Wars a little bit, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it could be really awesome, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world itself, I mean, you'd have to think if you put start putting more players, they'd have to dumb down the graphics probably just a bit, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. Yeah, I, so I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I guess it depends on if the products remain good or if they just start pumping them out, uh, turn them out like like a dump, a big old <laughs> dirty dump. <laughs> well, speaking of TV shows, uh, we've got news from Collider. It says God of War series will be true to source material. Says Amazon Studios Vernon Sanders. Following a strong showing from God of War Ragnarok at the Game Awards 2022, taking home the most overall awards from the yearly showcase, fans of Kratos and Atreus were excited to hear that Prime Video has announced a series order for a live-action God of War series. With any type of adaptation, whether it be books, games, or any other medium, it can be exciting to see... Yeah, 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 they're just just editorializing. And I didn't cut it out because I'm just reading from the website. So they talked with uh, Vernon Sanders and asked him about the upcoming series, during which he assured fans that the series will stay true to the game. The conversation was part of a larger interview about the success of the Rings of Power series, which was viewed over by over 100 million people worldwide. And uh, he also talked about the creatives behind the cu- upcoming series, um, what the series, what the creatives behind the upcoming series uh, were up to, and. Um, mentioned the emotionality of the father-son story, et cetera. Guys, it kind of sounds like, and we could talk more about, you know, the idea of this, of, of this game in this world, but are they going to start with God of War 2018 and not go back and explore any of the, the previous God of War franchise as we know? Oof. Brandon, <laughs> you just played through all yeah. of the original God of War games. Do you think you can tell that story in the same way? Absolutely. In a game, you can. In a in a show, can you? I don't know. I'm a little so. Initially, I wanted to be very excited about this news because of Amazon putting it on. I mean, people have talked so highly of the Rings of Power, and they obviously have the budget, so you know it's going to look good, if nothing else. But I agree with you, Ben. I hadn't thought about that. There is literally four plus games of lore before this 2018 iteration. And I feel like it doesn't, it does not hit the same if you don't know some of the past and sure you get drip fed it during the games, but I don't know, man, I'm, I'm simultaneously so excited about all of these opportunities for video games and cinema and simultaneously very worried because I worry that maybe someone who wouldn't have heard this story, right? 
watches the show and is turned off by it when the other medium is so beautiful just as it is i don't want i don't want the name of it to be tarnished because it holds such a a a deep place in my heart and so yeah it's definitely a a little vexing for me um i am I, i guess i am overall excited i'll be interested to see who they cast i think that will play a big part in how i feel about it i like the casting for the last of us too not exactly the same or or I'm sorry. Yeah, the Last of Us um, series. I know that's a different network, but right. um, just video game adjacent. But yeah, I'm hesitant with these shows. I really am. Um, there's only been one video game movie I've ever loved, and that's uh, the Mortal Kombat movie that came out a couple oh, years yeah. ago. Yep. All all the other ones have gravely disappointed me. Uh, so I want to be pleased, but I also am scared they're going to ruin something I love. Um, right. So I, I don't know. I guess if anybody can do it or have the money to do it, it's Amazon. So I yeah. guess I'm willing to give them a shake as if I have anything to do with it. Yeah. But um, whether I watch, it's another story altogether. But yeah, I guess I'm excited. This is cool news. I I honestly, I, I wouldn't be mad if Christopher Judge had a part in it, to be honest with you. I feel like he... There's been a lot of talk about that online, and yeah. dude, he, dude, he's like jacked and has such a strong jaw. I wouldn't even be mad if he played Kratos. So, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what I was going to move on to next. Dave was uh, well. You can give your thoughts on a series uh, as well uh, for for God of War and what that could mean for the telling the story. But also, I was going to say, like, what what do you think about some casting opportunities here? Uh, man, I, with these TV shows, they always seem to find people that are kind of relatively unknown. Uh-huh. Um, cause you know, it's, it's tough to get, um, you know, somebody all that well-known and, and that's such a particular part to play. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am going to say, I do not think, uh, Christopher judge would be the best choice. Um, but you know, I, I think it would be cool to have him play a part in the show in some way, but yeah. I don't know. It, it wouldn't even matter because I learned my lesson of making judgments on casting calls um, with Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Because I remember oh, yeah. my first reaction to that was like, are you kidding me? I, everyone's and, was. Everyone's was. Ever since then, I'm just like, I'm just going to shut my mouth. And I, I think I know I, they know what they're doing. And, and yeah. yeah, so... Um, but in terms of kind of the way they approach this story, I do personally feel that um, taking from sort of the, the, you know, God of War 2018 as, you know, you should build around that from a lore standpoint, not lore, but just story. I think that's probably a better idea just because I felt like um, the original God of War series was fantastic from a gameplay standpoint. I thought the setting and, and setup was really cool, yeah. but I didn't really care about the story too much. Whereas I feel one of the big drivers for, you know, God of War 2018 was its story and was its relationships and was the dynamic between the characters. Um, it's also, you know, the most recent sort of starting point for God of War. So I just think from a standpoint of bringing people from TV into the video game, it probably just makes more sense to right. use 2018 as a launching pad. But I also just think it makes for um, a stronger story and not just something that's kind of visually interesting. So that's what I hope to see. Um, I, I'm assuming this is a few years off, but uh, yeah. in any case, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays out and how the casting all works and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm kind of in between you guys. I nice. think that nice. <laughs> I think that it's um it's better to have the story of old the 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 background but i think they can easily do it in the television medium more naturally than they can in the video game where they can actually do flashbacks and stuff like that and actually show like something that happened at a poignant moment or something like that so i think it would also be a little confusing for people if they did start in the uh the original games and then it's like wait he this was Greek before and now it's Norse. What's going on here? Like, I don't know. I think that'd be confusing for some people. I mean, it's kind of confusing for the games too, to be quite honest, but uh, I don't know. I am someone who likes video game adaptations, even though they're not usually good, but I still like them because I like seeing things that I like represented in a different way. Uh, That doesn't always mean they're good. It actually rarely means they're good, but I like it either way. Okay. 
Speaking of Amazon, which we were just doing. Oh, sorry. Can I yeah. throw one more thing out there? Just because uh, I thought not, I thought of it as Brandon was talking about uh, video game movies. And can I just say, as bad as the Doom movie was with The Rock, the first person sequence towards the end of that movie was fucking awesome. I don't know if anybody remembers what I'm referring to. Yeah, I saw yeah, it, but I, I don't do. remember that. Oh, it was so cool. If, if, if you just, if you can go and YouTube it in just that scene, you'll be able to find, I thought it was, it was so cool. In terms of kind of linking a shitty movie to the source material, that like two minute sequence was perfect. Chef's kiss. So yeah. Good. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon games and crystal dynamics have struck, struck a deal to develop and publish the next major entry in the Tomb Raider series. This comes directly from AmazonGames.com. And I don't want to read this whole press release because it's a lot of, uh, well, press release type material. But basically, the the story here is Crystal Dynamics and Amazon are partnering to develop Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider title, which we heard about a few weeks ago or a few months ago, uh, kind of getting leaked early. The The story, not necessarily the plot, I guess you could say. Well, I don't know. At any rate, uh, I just think it's interesting. Crystal Dynamics, they just like all sorts of stuff has been happening with them. This IP is bouncing around a little bit and they're like, hey, we're fine. And now Amazon Games is stepping in. And I really just assume I, I don't assume they need their technical prowess. I think they need their money. And that's what Amazon's there for. Dave, should we be worried about Crystal Dynamics? No, because I, I think um, that Amazon has shown over the past little while that their their gaming's their their sorry their games division has the ability to produce really cool games. Yeah. Um, so I think this is good. Um, the Tomb Raider series is sticking with the same developer, but moving from Square Enix to Amazon Games. So right. I think there's just more power there, and Crystal Dynamics is not. Um, it's, it, this isn't a rookie being called up. This isn't an indie right. developer who's, who's, you know, taking their first stab at something. This is, this is a developer that Amazon should know has the, you know, the creative chops to kind of just give them what they need and let them do their work. And, and you're going to have a quality product and, you know, this will be their fourth stab at, at the Tomb Raider franchise. So, um, you know, I assume they have some interesting ideas they kind of want to put forth. So I'm okay with this. If, the, if Amazon hadn't put out games that I thought were good yeah. um, in the past couple of years, I would be a little bit concerned, but you know, they've shown that they have the ability to fund something and give developers enough creative freedom to, kind of make something that's that's good so i'm okay with this uh i love me some tomb raider so yeah this is this is going to be good i think brandon do you uh do you have any fears about amazon being involved with crystal dynamics and tomb raider um not really i kind of agree with what dave said i was honestly worried about the ip for a little bit after the whole square debacle i'm assuming what it probably is is they made their money on the yeah. ip and they kind of don't see it going anywhere else, which I completely disagree with. I thought all of the Tomb Raider games have been pretty well received and pretty damn good in, yeah. in general um, as a whole. So I, I found that kind of strange when they were just throwing around things like Deus Ex and um, Tomb they Raider. They sold it all for a song, too. I know. It's so so strange. But nonetheless, I agree with what Dave said. I think this is generally a good thing. Um, in any deal like this, I always hope that the developer has mostly free wearing, as Dave said, um, because I think that um, what he said was also critical, uh, is that this is a studio that does know what they're doing um, and that they have put out these other games. So I'm just hoping this kind of takes it to a new height, you know, with the new money and the fresh perspective. Maybe it'll be easier for them in ways. You, yeah. I mean, you, you got to hope. Sometimes you hear horror stories where, you know, uh, you know, uh, producers take over and then, you know, everything changes. But um, I'm hoping this is actually the exact opposite because I would love to see Tomb Raider for many, many more years. So um, I think this is good. This is good. Nice. I think it'll be good as well. I don't, I don't see them stepping in too much. I see them more as the money partner, but like Dave said, they have made some, some successful games. So if they do step in, hopefully that those are good changes as well. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. 
After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Uh, Last little piece of news I have here comes directly from the FTC. And no, this is not about Activision Blizzard, although there's probably something there to talk about. I don't know. I'm not interested. This says the Fortnite video game maker, and this is all, by the way, FTC government lawyer language. So Fortnite video game maker Epic Games to pay more than half a billion dollars over FTC allegations of privacy violations and unwanted charges. Epic will pay $275 million penalty for violating children's privacy law change default privacy settings, and pay $245 million in refunds for tricking users into making unwanted charges. Uh, It goes on to say, they've secured agreements requiring Epic Games to pay a total of $520 million million in relief over allegations the company violated the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act and deployed design tricks known as dark patterns to dupe millions of players into making unintentional purchases. The FTC's action against Epic involves two separate record-breaking settlements as part of a proposed federal court order filed by the Department of Justice on behalf of the FTC. Epic will pay a 275... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It's really interesting just to narrate here a little bit. The FTC, when they put out these statements about people making concessions or settlements or payments or whatever, they're always like touting, like patting themselves on the back, like this is the most money we've ever charge someone we are really protecting you here by causing a billion many billion dollar company to pay us money for violating your thing and by the way you probably won't ever see this money uh anyway so i don't know specifically what these violations are like if you if you told me or if you said like what i would love to see is like here's a here's a picture of how it tricked people into buying things and I'm sure they've removed that stuff by now. But what this says to me, Brandon, is that Epic got challenged. Uh, this, these allegations were brought against them. And they said, you know what? We're not even going to fight it. Probably it's true. But even if it's not true, it's not worth the money. We'll just pay the half a billion dollars and change the things they want us to change. What do you think? Yeah, I would be really curious to see the specifics. I doubt we'll ever see that again. Um, I might sleuth the Reddit just to check, but this sort of thing happens. It's just because it's on such a grand scale that we're even hearing about it um, and that it is epic. Um, Does this sort of thing surprise me? No. Um, I feel like many companies probably employ things that ride the line of moral all the time. (laughs) So I don't know. From a company like Epic, I don't like seeing this sort of news because I've praised Epic so much in yeah. the past year for various reasons. Not these reasons, but um, in today's day and age with the way microtransactions work, it's not surprising. But um, yeah. I think obviously it is very headline worthy based on the dollar amount in the company. So yeah. It's bound to happen, and Fortnite is hardly shaking in its boots, even at a couple billion or a couple million. I'm sure you know 250 million, whatever. That's a drop in the bucket in relation to some of the money they bring in. So, even though it isn't good, I mean, hopefully it paves the way for other companies not to do similar things. So, I don't know, not incredibly concerning one way or another, but just interesting, I suppose, as someone who does play their games. So, yeah. Dave, they also I did I did find a little more of these privacy violations. Um, if you want to comment on them, it says in a complaint filed in federal court, the FTC alleged that Epic violated the COPA rule, the, the Child Online Protection Act, uh, by collecting personal information from children under 13 who played Fortnite, a child directed service, a child directed online service. I don't. That's funny to me because I don't know if it's actually child directed or not. 
Without notifying their parents or obtaining their parents' verifiable consent, Epic also violated the FTC's acts, FTC Act's pro- prohibition against unfair practices by enabling real-time voice and text chat communication for children's and teen by, teens by default. Specifically, they allege that Epic uh, needs to change the, the default settings and also they're somehow supposed to notify parents. I'm not sure how they're supposed to do that. By mail. Um, but the FTC alleges that Epic was aware that many children were playing Fortnite, as shown through survey of Fortnite users, uh, and collected personal data from children without first obtaining parents' verifiable consent. Uh, wait, 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 hold up, though. <laughs> Aren't the parents consenting to allow the children to play the game? From my perspective, Absolutely. <laughs> okay so case closed my kids, my kids don't play games unless i let them play them like, right that's what i'm saying like yeah. if they're playing the game you consented for them to do anything in that game right just like every time they turn on their phone at the app store right did you give them that phone anyway right. I'm, I'm sorry dave go ahead and, and sorry just one other thing the illegal dark patterns uh says they use dark patterns to trick users into making purchases uh, they've deployed a variety of dark patterns aimed at getting consumers of all ages to make unintended in-game purchases. Fortnite's counterintuitive, inconsistent, and confusing button configuration led players to incur unwanted charges based on the press of a single button. For example, players could be charged while attempting to wake the game from sleep mode while the game was in a loading screen or by pressing an adjacent button while attempting simply to preview an item. Um, That's these have del- never been issues for me, but... Whatever. I mean that that's still a thing. It's like press yeah. press square to preview, press X to right. You know that's I don't not. Know. I don't think that's a dark pattern, but I under, whatever. So Dave, anyway, sorry, I kept saying you're going to comment. Feel free. Yeah, I mean, this is Epic is really good at selling stuff. Um, you could say that you know there weren't barriers in place for people to um, not accidentally buy stuff but you know for a fact that these people are intentionally buying these things yeah and and anybody who sells something needs to market their product in a way to make it as easy as possible for someone to sell something a related story that came out this week is that in the in the great province of quebec uh, a class action lawsuit is is being allowed to go forward um, that was first raised by parents alleging that Fortnite specifically is um, intentionally addicting. So there's this lawsuit that's going forward. And I'm just thinking about like that plus everything you've talked about and all the other stories we've heard about games like this. And I'm like, how far away are we from like video games coming with disclaimers on the boxes that like, just like cigarettes that say video games are addicting. Like, this period of accountability is gone because it's just, you can't sell anything anymore because if it gets in the hands of kids and you know, we all know that when you boot up a game these days that has any sort of online element, you have to scroll through like six pages of disclaimers and nobody expects you to read that. But at like at one point, at what point does it become your responsibility as a player or a parent to be like, my kid bought something that he wasn't supposed to, or he's spending way too much time playing this game. He's not showering. He's not eating, which is what this class action lawsuit alleges. It's like, well, like, yeah, <laughs> figure it the fuck out. Cause I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't like it. I, I know it's easy to just say, well, the parents should take the video game away from the kid, but I, I don't, I don't see another way. Like the ESRB has existed for decades and it's like, what more can we do? to like kind of put the control in your hands because it it absolutely is. But well, it's like if you're alleging that they're intentionally making the game addictive, it's like, okay, well, okay, so let's say we agree that that's, that's a, that what we're doing. What is our penalty? Like, do you want us to make the game boring so that it sucks and we go out of business? Do you want us to not make people want to play it? Like, I don't know how you... Sorry, your game is really good and therefore... I'm loving it and got addicted to it. You want me to take out the cool sounds? Right. Like, I I don't know. Well, it's also kind of like, are these moms playing Candy Crush? No, Brandon. You know, like, it's different when it's, no, it's different when it's, did they play Farmville? Like, come on. It's just uh, an excuse for lackluster parenting. As far as I'm concerned, they want these things to completely be the parent. That's essentially what it is, is, because your your child is playing the game, it's a stand-in for you. 
bunch of latchkey um, kids. Yeah. So now this is. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what else is addicting? I get addicted to Minecraft. There's nothing about Minecraft oh, that, that should be addicting. I just I can press forward and left mouse click and just mine for days. And I could like I don't get bored of that. I mean, come on. Everything's addicting if you have an addicting personality or you let yourself seriously you know, get into it. So it's just a matter of I think I think a lot of it. Certainly, there's some element that we should say we should even protect kids from their parents because not all parents are going to be the like responsible right that's just the facts of the way things are but there there is a a point where you have to be like who's complaining about this then like if they're if the kids are addicted are the parents complaining because if the parents are complaining they're paying enough attention to stop them from playing right so that's my opinion yeah Boys, that's really all the the news news we had this week. Uh, I asked the Discord if uh, there was anything we should talk about because we are, if we didn't mention it earlier, which I know I didn't, recording a day early this week uh, just because of the Christmas, uh, mostly my scheduling issues and everything. But uh, And I believe it was Poot asked, and I thought this would be a good one to talk about, uh, to talk about any games we felt this year were underrated or overlooked, perhaps. And I don't know about overlooked, but I definitely have some that are underrated a couple does anybody else have any examples i can we can do whatever order we want here yeah i mean i have some stuff i didn't play the one i'm thinking of but i feel like i've heard generally low uh well not low talking points but like i've heard us talk about it but not many other people here and there yeah um and like i said i haven't played the game but like compared to a game like forza this need for speed unbound i feel like i've i've heard niche good things like i've heard things places but as far as like like forza broke the stratosphere as yeah. far as racing games went um last year or yeah that was last year right yeah no, end yeah. of last year yeah yeah um and need for speed didn't really get that that same love and need for speed as far as i'm concerned is like one of the heavy hitters as far as arcade video games go um car games so i don't know man i just I wish I had some more personal opinions on it. I've seen a lot of stuff online, but I feel like I kind of got overlooked by a lot of my friends um, and maybe even some people out there. Um, I know I haven't purchased it yet just because I have two other games, three other games, but um, yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a sleeper. I'm actually really excited when things calm down to actually give it a go. So nice. Dave, what about you? You got an underrated pick for the year? Yeah, I, I got a couple. Um, this is tricky for me, though, because I, I really didn't play a whole lot this year that came out this year. Cause uh-huh. I'm always like behind, but yeah. whatever. Um, but a game that I kind of feel like I underappreciated and I, I'm I'm looking forward to jumping back in and really sinking my teeth into. Um, and I also feel like it 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 was generally underappreciated was uh, Grounded. Oh, yeah. Um, now, this is a bit of a weird one because this game is actually, I, I think it came out in early access in 2021. I think that's uh, correct. But the full version 1.0 came out earlier this year. Um, and this is a really cool game. And a lot of people out there like Minecraft. Um, and a lot of people like survival games. And, you know, I think this is partially on Microsoft for this game being underappreciated because there wasn't a whole lot of kind of hoopla created about this game actually I don't feel like they're very good at marketing for some no, reason. Yeah, you're right. And it's, but in any case, um, you know, I, I played the game. I played the game with you, Ben. I played the game a little bit more on my own and um, I need to give it more of a shot. Cause you know, I did kind of hit a wall, but before then I was really, really engaged. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a game again, it's on game pass. So, yeah. you know, most of you have it. So I think it's worth checking out going through the tutorial and stuff like that and kind of seeing how far you want to go because it really is, you know, I, I grew up with honey shrunk, honey, I shrunk the kids, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people did. Um, but this is really a unique game that kind of harkens back to that um, sort of, you know, not that movie specifically, but you know, there, obviously there's parallels. So um, I really felt like grounded. I, I wish had more attention. A lot of people were playing it on Twitch uh, when it first launched in 1.0, but it kind of simmered off pretty quick and I don't think it got a whole lot of, you know, 
full reviews because of the nature of the way the game kind of rolled out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for everyone listening, if, if you have a chance to check this game out, I think it's worth your time, even though you probably didn't hear much about it. I've got a couple. Uh, well, two specifically. Uh, the first one, I've talked about both of these on the show, obviously, but the first one is Metal Hellsinger. And I know this game, some people didn't love it. I thought it was amazing. And I really like metal and I really like FPS. So like those two things need to be considered here. But Metal Hellsinger, it's basically a um, a rhythm uh, combat game. I don't know, shooting game to some extent uh, where, you know, you're you're fighting demons, but to a beat. And it got a little bit of praise here and there. And I think it even maybe got some honorable mentions in people's game of the year list and stuff like that so far. But I just feel like the, the general populace, I didn't hear talk about this whole lot. And it is niche because if you hate metal music, then you're going to hate this game. Like that is part of why this game's appealing is because the music's cool and the way the music works with the game is cool. But I just felt like Metal Hellsinger should get a little bit more of a, a, a highlight, even if it's only to our audience, uh, because it's just it really struck me this year. And they've gone on to do like a lot of cool things and they've put out a modding tool for it for uh, for PC. where you can go in and mod it to have your own songs in it, whatever you want and make it work uh, with the game. So uh, I wanted to give that one a shout. And then the other one, this one I heard even less about was Tinykin. This is also on Game Pass day one, and Tinykin. I talked about it on the show. It's it's a little three D platformer. Uh, you're a little tiny person, and uh, you have little Pikmin like things that are called Tinykin, and you just go around and you know you solve a lot of puzzles and you figure out how to platform in this big house, and uh, it just didn't get a lot of praise. And everyone I've talked to that has played it has said it was amazing. Loved it. I loved it. And to me, it's one of those things of maybe it's not Xbox's, Microsoft's responsibility to market things uh, that are on Game Pass, but I think it would be beneficial to them, obviously. But this is one of those games that had it gotten a little bit more of a spotlight, I think probably would have performed well because it appeals to, I think it would appeal to a lot of people. And there's a little bit of OCD-ness in there. You know, there's a, there's a lot of a collect-a-thon going on. Um, so that certainly is appealing to me specifically, I understand. But Tinykin was short and fun, and the story was okay. But it was, um, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. So I had a good time with it. It's funny, I talked about Microsoft not being good at marketing. Every time I get a marketing email from them, I get a second email right after that asks me if I want to unsubscribe from their marketing emails. It's like, you know, I don't mind your marketing emails. I usually just delete them before I even read them. But the fact that you ask me every time you send me one, if I want to unsubscribe in a separate email makes me want to unsubscribe. Sorry. It's like, are they trying to reverse psychology of me here? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Before we get into the what we've been playing section, I want to remind everybody we have a Patreon. You can get access to the show a day early, ad-free, as little as a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash phantom. And of course, hop on Discord as well for free. Uh, you can go over to Discord, or I'm sorry, handsomephantom.com slash Discord and uh, hang out with us there. Brandon, what have you been playing this past week? Oh, man. Um... I'm just going to go with the new stuff because I'm tired of talking about Call of Duty and God of War, but I have been okay. playing more of that. So okay. good stuff. Both sides. Love it. Um, but I started to play High on Life yeah. uh, this past week. And man, oh, man. Um, you got to like Justin Rowland. You, you just have to. If you don't think his shit's funny, don't play this game. You're not going to like it. It doesn't matter if you turn the dialogue <laughs> on as little as possible. Just don't play the game. It's not for you. But as a huge fan of that man and his creations, I am very much uh, enjoying this game. Um, I downloaded it on my Series X um, because it hadn't gotten much playtime whatsoever. You to take the dust off of it. <laughs> it took forever to update. I actually considered shutting it off because it was taking so long. Um, but no, I was really, really pleased, man. This game looks cool. Um, visually, it's very unique. Um, one thing that is the best part about this game is obviously the writing is really good um, and the stories and the characters. But at points like 
in this game, unlike any other game I've played recently, you could just sit and listen to people talk for like literally close to five minutes and the people will just continue to say new things. And all of it's interesting. I, I, I swear to God, some of the moments I'm not going to spoil any of them, but some of the moments were like so what is it? The fourth wall breaking, third yeah. wall break. Yeah it, fourth it, wall. yeah, it was that. And it was just, you know, obviously that's not new to video games. It's not new to even cinema or anything like that's something that's been around for a while, but they kind of doubled down on it in ways. If you play the game, you'll see what I mean. So, yeah, it's it's an absolute treat. Um, and as a fan, like I said, of him and of shows like Rick and Morty, it's just a lot of that similar humor. Um, so would highly recommend for anybody who is interested in that. Um, even passingly, I think the game itself is actually pretty fun as someone who has played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of first person shooters. It's not above and beyond, but it's a lot better than uh, other first person shooters I've played. So um We'll have more to say about that soon. Um, I played for a couple hours so far, but man, I just, it's been a treat and super cool to see a, let's say a silly game be a first person shooter because you don't get many lighthearted kind of comical first person shooters. So, you know, kind of quartering the market for me uh, as far as that goes right now. So really, really enjoying that. Would recommend, Ben. I think you'd like it. Yeah, I'm planning on playing it. I really want to get around to it. Um, before, I don't know, Brandon, do you have anything else? That's it, man. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's well, it. I think Dave's also been playing High on Life, right, Dave? Yeah, I have. Um, and yeah, just I, I kind of echo everything Brandon says. Um, it's it's interesting, though, because if anybody's like me and is listening, so kind of looking at a lot of the um, release coverage around the game, I was hearing a lot of what Brandon just said, where if you like Justin Roiland, if you like um, Rick and Morty and all that kind of stuff, you'll like this. If you don't, you won't. But I have never seen the, that that show, and I, I I don't know much about Justin Roiland. So I was like, well, what about me? Because I <laughs> I have no idea going in. Um, so I, I I took a flyer on it, and um, I was laughing like instantly with this game. <laughs> it's so it funny, is dude. so funny. I'm going to try and ask Brandon a question without spoiling anything, but Brandon, I assume you're far enough that you have you come across the Mac and cheese construction crew yet? I don't think I have. Okay. So this is like this, this group of guys that you come across, you have to come across them. And a lot of people seem to be killing them. I would suggest not killing them just because I didn't. And after you pass them, some really funny stuff happens. And, I'm really looking forward to talking about the funny points in this game, but I also want people to experience it the same way I did where (sighs) the punchlines hit in such a perfect (laughs) way. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the other way I'm kind of looking at it is like we get a lot of games like I'm going to think about like Borderlands like that was a, a looter shooter, first person shooter that was funny. Um, And then you look at something like God of War where that's like, a third person hack and slash game that has like a very serious father, uh, father, son story high on life to me is a comedy game first and a first person shooter second. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of reasons I say that one, the shooting is pretty good. I think they kind of mix it up a little bit with, you know, the different guns you get. And I really like some of the mobility stuff. Um, but if you're going into this game for like a really good first person shooter experience, I think you might be a little disappointed, but that's not the point of the game. This this game is meant to make you laugh. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of set your expectations there with the game, but it's, it is really, really funny. Um, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. And and yeah, just just what Brandon said, like you can just kind of walk around and have conversations with people that have nothing to do with the critical path <laughs> and you're probably going to laugh. So, yeah. dude. Yeah. And I was thinking about do you remember like um, a child towards the beginning of the game? Yes. Dude, I was absolutely dying. And then you walk down the hill and his mother talks to you and what she says. Yeah. And then I turned around and walked back up the hill and looked at him one more time. I couldn't do it, but if you know what I mean. But (laughs) yeah, and um, there's a lot of situations where like um you kind of ask yourself, was I supposed to do that? Or and I find the game the game is really good at coaxing you into making decisions and then 
giving you the appropriate reaction after the fact. Cause like what you just described, I think what most people actually ended up doing was not, I, I don't think it was required. I think it's just like, you know, the, the kid talked to it a certain way and it just kind of happened. And I, I, and then the way your gun reacts. Right, also, right. one thing I have to say is another thing I was hearing about in the, um, in sort of reviews and stuff is that you can go into the menus and actually reduce the amount of chatter that you get from the gun and NPCs and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Now I, I personally left it on the default setting, which is, I think it's called constant. Um, I loved it because I mean, that's what I was there for is to hear all the fucked up stuff that everybody was saying. So <laughs> my personal recommendation, if you go into the game, I would just leave that on default. If you do find it's getting annoying, you can turn that chatter down, but um, yeah. Cause it's I, not, I mean, it's like, like you guys are saying, it's not really a gameplay focused game. So if you're turning down the chatter, you're kind of missing what the game was built for, in yeah. my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't you, played it yet, but you really are. You know, for spoken, turn that shit off if you want. But this game, <laughs> keep that dialogue on in one hundo. And this is I, I, I kinda wanted to bring this up in the underappreciated section, and I know there's there's a bit of recency bias here, but I do feel like a lot of people are are giving this game sort of a really bad reception, which is fine. But considering the you know the subject matter of the game is so subjective that I I I do think that this is could be one of those games that might be a little bit underappreciated just because some people don't like the humor. But that yeah, I mean if 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 real time strategy games just weren't for you, um, you probably you know your opinion on you know a real time strategy game probably wouldn't be too relevant. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I did see today that it was like number the number two game on uh, Steam. Yeah, and you know, that's a paid service, obviously. Dude, like, I, it's not Game Pass, so I, I love to hear that. Yeah. Love to hear I don't know about I don't know about player count or anything, but as far as revenue goes, it was the number two. Yeah, and the, I, um, go ahead. No, I was to say I had never thought about it in that way, Dave. You know, most people are coming at it if you know something that Justin's made, and if you wouldn't, but I never even considered anyone who's not watched anything at all um, with how like culturally relevant a lot of his stuff has been recently. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, Hey, look, if you don't have game pass and you don't want to spend the money, uh, what is it? 40 or 50 bucks? Is it full price? I don't I even think know. It's full price. I think it's 60. Is it? Yeah, well, I think so. Honestly, I, I mean, I kind of think yeah, it's I worth it. I believe it is a little uh, cheaper than a full price. game. Okay. okay. But I mean, maybe just pop on some Rick and Morty for an hour or two. If, if you absolutely hate it, there's your test. Seriously. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I wish I could talk more about it with you, Dave, but you haven't watched that. But I do think generally it is like, it's not apples and oranges. You're either going to like it or you're not, I think. Yeah. So High um, Life is $60 on Steam and $60 on Xbox. Okay. So that's, that is full price. Well, I mean, um, technically 70 now yeah. is like full oh, price, okay. but gotcha. you know, yeah. yeah. Um, now, so the only other thing I've been playing is, is Call of Duty. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time on this cause I, we've talked it to death, but, um, shipment is the new map. Uh, just want to give my thoughts on it as sort of a casual, uh, I do really like that they've changed shipment from Vanguard where, uh, there is no verticality anymore. So it's just one even plane. Um, you know, you can't go up and you don't have to worry about people shooting down from, from above. Um, so that's been really cool. And I think the other thing I was watching a video from exclusive ACE, which is like my go-to YouTube guy. Um, they've changed it from modern warfare 2019, where like the, the containers that are on the edges are now angled like they used to be. Uh -huh. So you don't have like corner to corner sight lines, right. which makes spawns a lot easier, but it still is just mindless chaos, which I like. I'm really trying to not get into the weapon camo grinding stuff too much because I know I'm going to be too tempted to just play <laughs> shipment 24 seven. So yeah. I found a nice little groove where, um, you know, when I pop in and just kind of play for an hour, I'm just focusing on like the daily XP objectives yeah. and then i'll play a couple games on shipment and stuff but yeah if you haven't jumped in a little while shipment is there it's fun it's really good um so yeah that's Dude, all i wanted to mention it it is the place to grind though fyi but especially it's so mindless man like it's just no dude it... That's the best part about it. Though, you Dave. say it's mindless, though, but I would say it's the exact opposite. It's like uh, ripping a, a snort of Coke every time <laughs> you go into a match of shipment. I mean, like, seriously, you have to switch your brain to turbo um, to be able to comprehend some of the things that are happening on the screen. And uh, 
I'm I'm with you, Dave. I've been a shipment enjoyer for years now. It's been on many Call of Duties at this point, and this is a welcome change back to the OG one level of shipment. This is the way yeah. it should have been. So yeah. I agree with you 100%. But well, it wasn't even one level technically in 2019 because you could get up in those containers, right? Well, well, I mean, on like COD 4 and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's been that way for a few years. So it's nice that they switched it over. Uh, Dave, once you, uh, if you're like me, you've maxed out your XP, your level, uh, you've maxed out the battle pass and you've unlocked and upgraded all the guns. And so now you have no choice but to grind camos. So uh, luckily I'm not. In the, what is max level now? 250. 250. Okay. Dude, yeah, that makes no, two thirds of us having that, that accolade, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave's just a casual, so. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy casual. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I've also been playing some Call of Duty a fair amount. Um, I won't go too deep into that. But uh, the other two things I've been playing this week, I finally went back and finished, just plowed through uh, Plague Tale Requiem. And I feel the same way about this game that I felt a couple weeks ago. It's really good. It's phenomenal, actually. Uh, it's a it's an awesome game. But I just could not, I could not get motivation to play it for, literally, it's been out two months, and it took me this long to be like a 14 or 16-hour game. And I guess that's not crazy, but I like part of it had to do with Call of Duty coming out and wanting to spend a lot of time with the boys and stuff like that. So like that's part of it. But another part of it is just that like it's winter. You know, we got that seasonal affective disorder going on. Uh, The game is very dark and depressing. And it just every time I went to play it, I was like, well, here we go. Time to be depressed and sad for however many hours I'm going to play this. And so that kind of kept me away from it a little bit. And then also, I think just my personal taste, I'm not into stealth as much as I used to be. And I used to be very into stealth. And I think even though this isn't like a true stealth game, because you can choose to still go uh, guns blazing, essentially, you know, for lack of a better word in this game, um, there is some, there is some heavy stealth involved with it as well. So I really liked it. It's really good, but I just, uh, it wasn't quite what I was looking for at this time. If I had played it maybe in the summer or later on, I don't know if call of duty hadn't been out at the same time, maybe I would have only had good things to say about it. And I do pretty much only have good things to say about Plague Tale Requiem, except for my personal feelings on it. were just that I didn't want to keep playing it because it just made me like, I don't know if it made me depressed, but it definitely didn't make me feel energized. I guess you could say. And then the other thing, I started back into God of War after like three weeks off uh, today. I think I'm still fairly early on, probably 12 or 13 hours in. Uh, But man, earlier, Dave, you were talking about how you had to just keep playing Elden Ring because you were afraid that you would forget all the controls. That's me with God of War Ragnarok right now. I'm like, wait, I know how to do a runic attack. Why can't I wait? Why can't I block? I thought this was block and like having to relearn those controls. Now I got it all back within like an hour. And I'm sure I'm just going to keep playing this until I'm done with it. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll throw in some other things here and there, but uh, it's just so good. And I'm just constantly like a lot of games. I don't want to hear the story. I don't care about it. And this game is not that like th- I'm here for the story in this game. Obviously, the gameplay is phenomenal, but it's really the storytelling that I like. The thing that is getting on my nerves a little bit is like when I'm just like wandering around looking in an area, my companion, whoever it happens to be at that time, because you have multiple companions throughout the game just constantly is like better get going to find that thing or better get going. We got to complete this mission or, you know, like, Oh, I think you missed a secret over there. And I'm like, just shut up. Like I'm, I'm just trying to play the game. Uh, You know, I go and stand in front of a puzzle for like three seconds and I'm looking for something. And it's like, maybe if you hit that thing up there and it's like, come on, like, I just want to play. And this uh, in, in stark contrast to, the games you guys mentioned does not have a uh, a slider for how much they talk. And I know that there's reasons behind that, especially Sony. They're going to play test these games and figure out where people are getting stuck. But it's like, why do you have to tell me everything before I can get to it? Why in a game where it's so beautiful and I want to explore, are you rushing me along? And that's frustrating. Yeah. But as far as the game and my experience with it, it's been a lot of fun except for that. And uh, I'm I'm excited to actually finally finish it now, dude. I looked that up because I actually had the same thought. I was going to see if there was an Atreus meter talk meter. I yeah. I literally looked it up, and I swear that um, maybe from Sony commented on it that it like has to do with the um, 
it has story implications, I guess is what I was trying to say. Um, I don't mind them. Like I love when you like go into fast travel, which isn't really fast, but when you go into the travel and they tell you a backstory or whenever, uh, you know, you're in the boat and the mirror is talking to you. Like, I love those parts. I I want them to tell me more and I want to hear more stories. Sometimes I'll like sit in the boat before docking just so I can hear more backstory on this particular thing. But the, the prompting of like, you know, try, try that ledge. Or I think there's a chest in here. Like that kind of stuff is is a little bit irritating to me. The one thing that I forgot to mention that I think is really funny. There's a couple times where I was running around, like picking up, you know, items off the ground, whether it was hack silver or health or whatever. And, you know, one of the people were like, come on, Kratos, hurry up. And then Atreus is like, well, he really likes loot. He's getting all the loot. And it's oh, like, dude, it's so good. The, yeah, it's kind of fourth wall breaking there, but I, I, I enjoyed that. Dude, they're literally like, oh, yeah, he does this a lot. He just yeah. goes, dude, yeah. I know I know the exact part you're talking about. Well, it happened more than once. Not those same words. There were different words. Yeah, like yeah. there was another time where a character was like, wow, you're really gobbling up everything on the ground, aren't you? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's okay, a yeah. there's a couple of points like that. Yeah. That's fun. I like and that. I like that. To some extent, just I don't the puzzle like, solving. I yeah, I get what you're saying. I get yeah, it. Exactly. All right, boys. Well, I think that's it. I think that's everything. It's Christmas this week. Um, unfortunately, they do have Christmas in Canada. Um, so, Dave, you'll be able to celebrate with us this time mm-hmm. at the same time. So that's good to know. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with some family, playing some more video games, hopefully. We'll see what it brings. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Be safe out there, guys. Crazy snow up our way here coming. So is there? I didn't yeah, know that. yeah. I think Thursday into Friday we're supposed to yep, get a, same a, here. a boatload. So Dang. everyone, be safe this holiday season. Um, enjoy. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. It leaves it pretty open. So yeah, that's true. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Handsome Phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 or above level, and we appreciate their support. Wormhat, Toby Ryland, Charles Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Apestrons, Brian, Nuke Dukem, and Derek O. Oh.